You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast, punktheology.com. It's 2018, people. Well, they say that punk rock has died away. I don't believe a word they say. Sing for tomorrow, sing for today. We all need a little punk rock and roll. The world needs a little punk rock and roll. Yeah! Hello, listeners! And yes, it's a brand new year. I just went a little British there. Why? Because of our new announcer to help you understand what you may have gotten yourself into by choosing to listen today. This audio recording may include inappropriate references, excessive profanities, and potentially unsuitable material for younger children. There, you've been officially warned. Yes, that would be Peter, or Graham, I can't remember. A little shout out to naturalreaders.com for that little audio sample there, kicking off the, uh, the 2018 podcast, the first podcast of 2018. Uh, forgive me, I'm here with a bowl of rice eating a little while I kick this thing off. I would be Russ Shaw, your host on this punk talk odyssey. It's 2018, and as a younger man, I'll be honest, I didn't plan on seeing 2018. True story, I really didn't have a plan that included me living past 1989. Man, I'll be honest, on an earlier track of my life, I was way too over on the side of the spectrum of the rebellious kind, alright? So, today, sitting in a room with a bunch of guys who've been to college, dear friends as they are, these guys, but it had me step back and take a, sort of an inventory of how I got here. When most of my peers were graduating from high school and getting their college letters, I was dedicated to self-destruction and mayhem and keeping the, being alive in quotes. I'll put that in like air quotes, right? I just wanted to live. But I do believe that somewhere in there, I was seeking beauty and truth. I just figured I didn't fit into this world. And I think that's a lot of the punk attitude is people feeling like they don't fit the cookie cutter mold, man. And who really does, honestly? And yes, while I believe that healthy and unhealthy are a thing, right? It goes beyond that. It goes beyond this dualistic good, bad, right, wrong. And as anyone who's ever had an addiction or a bad habit will tell you, they're like, yeah, I know what's right. It's just pulling that off. It's getting the motivation to stop. Wait, is this healthy? Is, is this good for me, right? This is where I tend to like theology more than philosophy because philosophy tends to not really give a shit, right? Like, aren't we all dying anyway? Selah, you know? There's this passage in the Bible where it seems that, you know, these early believers in God are trying to understand the definition of sin because like the Ten Commandments, right? And a lot of religious people are seen that way. Like, oh, you just believe in black and white, right and wrong. So they corner this guy. They ask this guy, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and they're conflicted over what's breaking this holy spiritual law, right? They said, you know, what's lawful? And he says, everything's lawful. 
In Christ, there's this new covenant. It's all, you're free. You're free to do whatever you want. But it's not always good for you. Not everything's beneficial. What you want to do. And I'll admit it, I'm a guy over the years who has struggled with the pride of saying things like, at least I'm not doing methamphetamine anymore, right? At least I'm not waking up in jail. I've been asked more than once on this journey of life, um, have you thought of hurting yourself or others? It's kind of like an extreme way of asking, is what you're doing life choking to yourself and the people around you? People have sat me down and said things like that with concern in their eyes, like they were serious. Like that's part of this though, right? Wanting to see some resolution to our lives being healthy and good to ourselves and then the ripple effect of the the lives that are close to us, the people that we have an impact on. And moving beyond pithy statements like two steps forward, one step back, Russ, it's still a step forward. You should pat yourself on the back, man. <laughs> it's, this had me thinking about um, inertia, entropy, right? The word resolution. I looked it up in the dictionary. Merriam-Webster's dictionary says that resolution, the act of finding an answer or solution to a conflict problem or etc the act of resolving something that's resolution um a new year's resolution i have a problem it needs to be solved moving into the new year is that what we're doing we get into it here on the punk theology 2018 first show of the year we all need a little punk rock and roll tonight we're gonna drink it's a novel smoke forget about our problems with the world on hold we all need a little punk rock and roll i want that good feeling push and shove i want that good feeling running in my blood i want that good feeling on the open road i want that good feeling that i lose control so yeah this is the uh the new year show it's 2018 and uh all six of us are here we're missing Misha, who's now part of the group, so there's technically seven. But there's six of us. Uh, so the six of us guys, the misogynist circle jerk. Is back. <laughs> is the, back. Important, the important <laughs> part of the group is here. <laughs> the authority. Yeah, the, the authority. authority, the authority. He's a male. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's another good there's thing. a dozen heads in the room. Six dicks. Right. Just rolls off the top. Twelve balls. <laughs> it does. It has a nice ring to it. Um, but I was thinking about resolution. Like, why does everybody, every time the calendar changes, like there's this thing, and it's in me, and I, I like it, I think. I like it to a certain degree, that the fact that a new year means a new start. Technically, a new day means a new start, too. But there's something about January 1st that, that just feels like hope. I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, it's more significant. <laughs> it's more significant this year, though, because it's on a, also on a Monday. That's true. Monday, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you, you can't start anything that's not on the first day of the month, or the first day of the year, or a Monday. So if it doesn't land on a Monday, then you don't start your diet. You don't start your exercising. Yeah. I think start. it just points to we're liturgical creatures. We like rhythms and patterns. I, I use the word liturgy. Yeah. Use whatever word you want to. But but you know you spend 
two months eating rich food. <laughs> right. And, and I don't know gorging about Gorging yourself. Well, about gorging. I, I Committing the gorging. sin of gluttony. I don't, I don't even know about, about two gluttony. months. I, just, <laughs> I gorged myself. I just sat at home for an entire week yeah. during Christmas vacation, and all I did was eat. Yeah. <laughs> different different varieties of sugar. Mm-hmm. Like just just until my brain just did not function at all. Started to feel it just, bubble. I started. I, I referred to it once as sugar glaze. Like just totally <laughs> not <laughs> present. Just, there you go. Just floating along. And Derek came out of his diabetic coma. <laughs> That's right. You could, you could probably start a new drug cult with that and call it sugar, sugar glaze. glaze. That's right. <laughs> I, if I take insulin, can I eat more? Even if you don't, everybody sits in everyone's. You've had enough. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm done. And yeah. I think and then January starts and it's like, oh, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to. Let's be honest, it's 2018 and we're Americans. We'll just use any excuse to have a party, really. That's <laughs> true. This just happens to be a, one that's been going on for a while. Yeah, but it's also like, I don't want a party. It's a. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop drinking, or I'm gonna turn a new page in my life, and things are gonna get better. All of a sudden, I got smoke in my eyes. Until Valentine's Day, when you need to take your wife out to a nice dinner, which I never <laughs> celebrated Valentine's Day first. Single Awareness Day. Single Awareness Day. That's right. Yeah, you, John's controversial on that one. You're not not super romantic on that. That's the tying of Valentine's. Day. I would argue I am romantic precisely because, I'm not <laughs> because you're not going to fall for the Hallmark holiday of. Yeah, child. John is not liturgical about Valentine's Day. <laughs> no. Hallmark holidays, right? Yeah. Because, Russ, when you're married to me, rock. every day's Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Which means no days. We can get Andy on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> There's this weird behavior thing, though, like resolutions, you know, we make resolutions. And it seems like we we feel that because the calendar changed, and I think the younger you are, the more this is a thing. Um, but it's like all of a sudden the calendar changed, so I have this magic motivation that everything's going to change, right? Like just because you say you're going to lose 10 pounds. Or, here's a good example. I had a friend in Marysville that owned a, a, a gym. Right, mm-hmm. people exercise and lift weights, and he did some physical training and stuff like that. And, and I was in the pizza business, and we, we got together and we were talking about this. And, and I said, you know, for the first two weeks in January, the pizza business is slow, and for him, it's the opposite. <laughs> the first right. two weeks of January at the gym, the place is packed out. Mm-hmm. But it's about it's about fourteen days for that whole thing to shift yeah. back to normal. You yeah. know. But it's just weird that, that that's in us. Like all of a sudden, boom! I got to go to the gym because the calendar changed, and and that means that the magic uh, motivation fairy <laughs> came along and it's blessed the, me with I'm going to do this change. now. It's the end of an era, and so it's the it's the reflective part where it's right. like I got to get my ass in gear, and I ate a bunch of sugar. Um, about eight years ago, I was a pretty religious gym rat, and I was going regularly, and I, I got. I got pretty strong, and it went through through the holidays, and I had been uh, still lifting, and so I was at the gym in early January with my with my workout partner, and he said the funniest thing when the place was packed and we couldn't get a bench to do our lifting, and he's like, "Yeah, don't worry, 
This will all pass over. These are just the resolutionaries. Revolutionaries. <laughs> resolutionaries. 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 Oh, I thought good. that was great. <laughs> Arthur, that, used, <laughs> Arthur used to work out religiously, but then he figured out it was doing it religiously, so then just based on principle, <laughs> he had to quit. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty religious back then, too. Mm. Well, part of the reason that we do what we do in terms of the New Year and all that stuff is evolutionary. Mm -hmm. From the people that lived in the Northern Hemisphere... Uh, you would, you know, your food is going to expire that you got from the harvest. Yeah. And and then uh, winter solstice is coming up, end of December. So there's, you know, kind of a, you, you kind of got to eat all your food by then, anyways. And there's a reason to celebrate. Yeah. So and then, you know, without modern technology, you eat all your food that's going to expire, and then you kind of starve for the next three months waiting for stuff to come back. <laughs> and it's kind of a, I think, I mean, you know, most of our Christmas stuff came from early northern hemisphere groups of people. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and this is just kind of a, I don't know, you call it evolutionary rhythm of, like, for a couple hundred generations, we've starved starting January. Right. Right after the, right after the solstice. And we ate all our shit. <laughs> that was gonna that was gonna rot. Now we we're stuck with dried food and yeah. and uh, eating the starving children. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Back before grocery stores and refrigeration, you were going to lose weight. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And and global transportation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> California. We can get food from South America, and we're yeah. fine. Is it Bitcoin? <laughs> we get fresh fruit in the winter. What about you, Steve? Did you ever give a crap? Like, do you give a crap less now that you're older? I is it just a really change? Don't. Doesn't matter. I mean, I'd, I've never. It's never been a big thing. For really? Me. Yeah. Even when you were young, like, you didn't, well, I would you do it when I was younger, just because that seemed like what people were doing. Yeah. But it would never last. And yeah. then now I'm at the point of screw it. I don't care. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, what am I gonna? So I want to stop watching so much television. What does so much mean? <laughs> For two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could even, I could phrase this. I mean, that's been, since you turned me on to that meditation app, uh -huh. I could say, I'm going to go the year. Well, I've gone 15 straight days. Oh, good for you. But it's started before, so I can't say it started Monday. No, oh, he screwed it up. I did. Jeez, i got to <laughs> stop and start over. Now i got to stop and wait until next year. you got to wait until right. next year. Yeah. You know, I did, what I would, about the only thing I would do is I'd start a new journal on the first year. You journal? Uh, yeah. Daily? Yeah. You go back and review yeah. what you wrote? Yeah. Did you burn them afterwards? No, but I've left explicit directions that upon my passing, they should read them. They should be burned immediately. Uh, so we're going to ignore that. Yeah, we're going to ignore My oldest, my oldest said, done, Dad, don't worry about it. There you go. Huh? And she will publish me, the book of it Steve. It seriously took me probably three years to really become open to my, to what I was writing down because I always wrote with the with the thought that somebody would read this, mm -hmm. and that's defeating the whole purpose. Right. So what I was doing is this this gal, Lisa Romano. This morning I was listening to her again, and I just started journaling. I just thoughts that were jumping out of what she was saying. Cool. And uh, for me, what the process in my journaling is. What am I looking back of that was my fault? That I huh. that I assumed was my fault. And she says right off the bat, your parents 
situation was not your fault. Your parents' depression was not your fault. Your parents' affair, and my, my mom was depressed, but they never had an affair that I know of. But how much of that did, was my, that I interpret as my fault? And that's what I've journaled. I was trying to think, okay, that was not my fault. I was enough. I was always enough, but I was always told I wasn't enough. The bar just kept, no matter where I approached. I remember one time specifically, um, God, I was 20, 21 years old, and we had some friends from Kansas that had come out. They'd been friends as long as I can remember. We, our kids, our, uh, their kids and our kids were the same age, and we grew up together in Wichita. And uh, they came out, and for some, I don't even to this day know what I did, but my mom and dad took me aside after they left, and they said, you so embarrassed us by the way you acted. What? Just completely blindsided me, because I thought I had done well. I mean, I was well-behaved. How old were you? 20, 21. Wow. What'd you do? I don't still this day know. What they, they think they couldn't, they, they couldn't put a word on it. Wow. Yeah, and I'm like, That's and, horrible, and that attitude was what I grew up under. Hmm. Was, you know, you weren't, I wasn't good enough. Right. No matter how good, it wasn't good enough. And yeah, you, that's the baby boomer thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And then you you add that into the church, you know, and then you you're never good enough. Mm-hmm. You no matter you know, you can read the Bible, but you don't read enough. You can pray, but you don't pray enough. Or you can share your testimony, but that's not enough. And what this thing this this gal has really shaken me because it's freeing me some from some crap that I've. Been able now to write down, yeah. you know that it's not my fault. You know my mom and dad's pain is not my fault. I was sharing with my daughter tonight for just a minute. She got home from work, and I said I was just telling her about this this meditation app. And I go, "Honey, your mom and I's pain is not your fault. You know our struggles is not your fault. My wife's family is not my fault." But we tend to make it our fault. You know, yeah. we, want to, we want to internalize it. It jacks with our value, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. How did she respond to that? She was uncomfortable with it. Because I think, seeing she's, I mean, she's a product of, of my wife and I. And that's why we were, both of us grew up. You know, I've, I've tried to talk with, uh, with my wife about growing up. And she can't remember a lot of stuff. But I couldn't remember a lot of stuff. But it's only now as I've been journaling. Mm. You know, and... and from a Christian perspective, asking Jesus to walk through that area with me, say, okay, what was this about? When I was six years old, and was my dad and I were burning some leaves in the backyard, and I just made a comment about, as a stupid six-year-old, this is like burning people, right, Dad? Well, instead of asking, <coughs> why would you say that, or what does that mean to you? I got blistered by it. I mean, verbally, just assaulted, and made to feel shame. <coughs> Man. And again, that's that's not my fault. I don't know what that triggered my dad, but that wow. wasn't my fault. And that's for that me. That was his shit. Yeah, yeah. And I've got oh, my okay. shit. I mean, there's yeah. no question. Everybody's got their shit. And I, that's what I'm telling my kids. Um, Six year old boys don't say weird stuff no. ever. And, you no. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't they say normal <laughs> stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah, they're quiet, they're proper. See, as I look back my journaling, it's... Only if you beat them enough. It's come back. I mean, it's, it's really progressing. Toast and you're, you're seeing yourself mature yeah. in a way, spiritually, emotionally. Oh, everything. Yeah. You know, um, able to 
Well, she says in there is that resonance and dissonance um, is what we feel. Mm-hmm. And the thing I grew up with, and which this is why I, I, I've listened to the thing about six times, and what she said today, she said it again, but it just hit me, was your parents were wrong when they told you what you feel doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I was always told that. What you feel matters. Right. I was told it doesn't matter. Don't You shouldn't feel angry. Bullshit, I do, but I am. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing for me is they learn to stuff it, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And like, well, Seth calls that that energy. Mm-hmm. Probably, I, I'm still process, kind of processing that. But for me, it's the anger was a there was a, that was a sign. Uh, she would call it dissonance. There was something. The anger was a sign that something wasn't in harmony mm-hmm. and wasn't in resonance. And it's like, and she says, you know, when you feel, you hear something, and you get, the, you get like goosebumps or chills, that's resonance. That's something in your cells telling you that's that makes sense. That's yeah. true to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm listening to this stuff, and I, I mean, I wouldn't listen to this stuff ten years ago because I'm like, she's, what's she talking about? But now she's a witch. Yeah, she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> she's a witch. She's got about four other ones on there too. Of the guy in meditation. That's, that's she, so it's funny. Good stuff. Yeah, so what's on there? Yeah, I feel you, man. I so I've been doing uh, EMDR therapy. Um, what does Arthur call it? Your crying light bar. <laughs> that was awesome. Crying yeah, machine. Or, like, cry machine. I, I she laugh. doesn't have a light bar. She just uses. You don't have a light bar. No, she oh. just does the finger thing. Okay. Yeah. Some. And that's I watch the finger thing. Yeah. Band I up. have a light bar, and it is a crying machine. Hey, Rod, is it? But it's still... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the middle finger up. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it, it's so weird that, that that bilateral stimulation, as John would call it... The, the, I, that, they call it that's that. What that <laughs> that's what the science calls it. John the science. John the science. <laughs> science John. The Ian Doctor, Doctor John. <laughs> Doctor John. John. <laughs> the, there's something to the way that it... it it's body work, right? Yeah. Like, and, you, and she's asking about how something felt. Like we... We processed something. Something my wife said. That I, I'm not going to repeat it. It was not important, but it was a, it was a conflict that we were in in the morning, you know, and it and it bothered me, like really heavily bothered me. She goes, "Oh, well, let's let's process that." And she started asking, like, "When did you feel that way? The first? Wh- when can you remember? Can you remember when you felt like that? You know, the first time." Right. And then I unpack it while she's doing the the thing, and then she goes, "Now, can you remember?" When you felt that way, before that, right? And I went, yeah. And then I went into something else, and it was about uh, when my parents got divorced. You know, I went all the way back to I'm seven years old, and yeah, it was weird. It was like, you know, and I'm and I'm bawling because you know you start to when you feel that kind of heavy emotion, it just kind of pours out of you. It's weird, but anyway, I see New Year's resolutions. Well, you're talking about doing therapy, and I've I've been fairly good in my adult life about keeping with any resolutions I've made, and you know, therapy or doing EMDR is sort of like a New Year's resolution for you to stick with it or yeah. you know, see where it takes you. I consider like even just goals like that are just you know intentions that I'm going to embark on this and and give it my all. Right. That's, it's a time to set a goal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I suck at goals. Why should I, you know what you should do? Making or keeping? You should make both. 
Well, goals. no. Make a list of your goals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Check it twice. The first one is make a list of your goals. You have now achieved one of them, so you can be done. You've achieved at least there one you of your goals. There's actually yeah, something yeah. I, I I heard about like people will post <laughs> good life tip there. Chuck. Yeah, thanks, Chuck. People will post things. And this is get life right life with life Chuck. Life by Chuck. <laughs> life life hashtag hashtag life focus Chuck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's actually better. I've heard yeah. not to talk about it or not to post about it online yeah. or something because whenever you verbalize it, there's something to do with. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it releases something to make you feel like you've accomplished something when you haven't. Yeah. Like just Stop talking about yeah. it. Do it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Rob Bell talked about that. And, of all just people, Kevin it. Durant. I heard Kevin Durant say the same thing. They they said, so he was in an interview. I think it was Hot Ones, actually. The chicken wing eating YouTube oh, yeah. thing. I think it's funny. And, and he, uh, yeah, he was asked, like, what's the, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give anyone who's trying to achieve something in life? And he would, and he said, "Stop talking about it and do it, because the more you talk about it, you're releasing energy that feels like you're doing it, but you're not fucking doing it. So stop. It's just your mouth flapping. Dude, that's a Rollins band. Song, Acorn by too. Nike. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> you like to send that? We should end the show. With you that. should. It's awesome. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah, do it. And uh, I like that." Because I'm a, I'm a talker. Like, I like to talk about things and verbalize things, and then I'll set a goal for something and not do it. I've been trying to write a book for fucking years. That's one of the reasons I'm doing the EMDR therapy. It's one of the goals, or one of the things I, I ha- want to see through is to actually publish something. Um, I've been podcasting for 12 years, and I've had people, when are you going to write something? I'm going to write something soon, you know? And now I've got three projects that I've started that I haven't finished. And so... So yeah, it's it's working through why I don't finish things, why um, I set goals and, and get distracted or, or get discouraged or. So yeah, that's a thing, you know. So I'm working through that. Along with, uh, I, uh, I had an interview earlier today with uh, Reverend Wendy Wolf, and she is probably one of the most realistic, positive people that I know. Like she's just got a kind of positive. Uh, attitude and, and and vibe around her, you know, like she's one of those people that are, are cool to be around because she's just she's just kind of positive, but not in a not in a shallow way. <laughs> like there's some people that are just kind of shallow positive, like puppy dogs and fucking ice cream and <laughs> popsicle sticks and uh, yeah, that's like teddy bears. That. <laughs> that sounds like a really deep conversation. Fucking ice cream. Fucking ice cream. <laughs> Um, but you know what I'm saying. Like everything's everything's Sorry. rosy, right? I get if you it. could just see it through rose-colored, <laughs> Derek-colored glasses. No, you don't want to see things through Derek-colored glasses. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> so, Derek, uh, what about you? New Year's resolutions? Are you uh, so, you into that shit or what? Uh, not previously. Um, uh, I think it was more of a just a contrarian nature thing. Um, I like shitting on things that other people do. So I've never. <laughs> you young or young? Yeah, it's like my favorite thing. Classic. Young, young. Yeah. Uh, but the last year, I went on a diet, and it was hugely helpful. I went most of the year. 
I lost about 35 pounds, which is kind of crazy to think about because I'm not that big to begin with. Right. Um, Derek's too small now. If <laughs> you kept it off. Yeah, you sound like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mom's speech. My mom said the same thing. Uh, and uh, so then so then, Thanksgiving through uh, first of the year, I just Gained sat and ate. Pounds. Yeah, I, I, I think I gained about 12 pounds. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, you're doing it right. That's right. Like I said, I just sat and just crammed myself with as much shit as I could. <laughs> you got something to show for the feasting. That's right. It's a whole new definition of the word fudge packing. Oh! 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 It's much happier. Too far. Yeah. Right. Too far. Oh, my God. Too far. Uh, oh, shit. Speaking of fudge. Okay. My wife made a bunch of fudge. I forgot to bring it. Fuck. Oh. I could have gave you guys a bunch. We have shit tons of fudge. My wife learned to make fudge. We could have fudged And my mother-in-law. Hey, I'm on a diet, I'm man. Go. I I'm can't have fudge. <laughs> now, <laughs> should have given now everybody's got the resolutions, and I bring fudge. That would have been yeah, awesome. kind of poetic. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Awesome. You guys are already drinking from me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking really high-calorie uh, beer, by the way. Porter. So, so I'm doing the same thing again this year, and it's... And it, yeah, and it's nice. It's just super convenient. Mm-hmm. Like it's like our culture gives you, you know, it's December's like a the worst. A shot in the arm. Well, December's like the worst month of the year ever to be on a diet. So just yeah. give up, right? Yeah. Just lean into it. Get to like <laughs> gain like, twelve pounds. Yeah, just gain twelve pounds, and then and then make yourself just unbelievably sick on all the shit you're eating. Yeah. And uh, and that that was the tradition in my family growing up is New Year's Eve. You get as much junk food as you can possibly manage, and then you go around the house and gather all the junk food, and you try and finish all of it in that night. Like that's the goal: really? is to knock it out right. so that you don't have any left the next day, because you got to throw it away the next day. Um, so we did that this year, and just you know, made myself. That's like, a weird cult ritual. Like, <laughs> like couldn't so, couldn't uh, sleep that night because I was so full of just grease and sugar. Did you enjoy that? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't enjoy it the older I get. Like, really? I don't, yeah. Well, I, if you yeah, do it one night, it's still... It's one still, night's good, yeah. Well, one, I mean, I didn't enjoy it falling asleep, but it was also kind of a... <laughs> I'm also a little bit masochistic, so it was a little uh, bit of like, yeah, give it to me! Like, I'm a, who's a fat boy? I'm a fat boy! <laughs> <laughs> I'll have another! That's right. Yeah, yeah. Shove it down. Uh, like that, like in uh, Dodgeball, right? At the end of Dodgeball, when Ben Stiller's character is just sitting on the couch and he's gained a whole bunch of weight and he's shoving the... <laughs> Like that was me on, on New Year's Eve. So, right. so and then I'm, I'm cleaning things up, and I'm on day four now, and I'm definitely feeling sugar withdrawal. Right. Like it's a thing for real. Right. Yeah, like I haven't is. I haven't had any sugar at all. It's been all carbohydrates are probably the most addictive. Yes, I am. That's what it is. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Like I go around walking around the day like I'm not hungry, but I need to fucking hit a something <laughs> because right. because this feels. Yeah, not good. And, it, and that's it. that happened to me last year too. And usually, you know, you, do is you, you eat those chocolates that give you the shits, right? The fake <laughs> that's sugar. Nice. That's nice. <laughs> that's, I think maybe that's what it is. That's called bulimia. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's a real. But it works. The sugar alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Make your. Oh, you mean like xylitol like yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or like Alestra. <laughs> Alestra the chips. Like the Alestra right? sugar version. Of- yeah. So yeah, so I'm doing that, and I honestly felt pretty grumpy and and unmotivated today. 
but it'll probably take me another six days, and then I'll start to come up, and then my brain will clear. Yeah. It's anything like it was last year, and uh, I'll feel way better than I did all of last month. So I'm looking forward to it. I wonder they call that with a protein diet. There's like a two-week period where you hit some kind of level where you just feel, Plateau. yeah, yeah. Like it feels this, okay, we're, this is normal. Yeah, and it feels really good after yeah. that. So. And then you and then you have like a sugary soft drink or something. You go, ooh, that's too sugary. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that with salt. So my high blood pressure, I've cut down on the salt a lot. So I'll eat something that's salty, and I'll go, oh fuck, that's way too salty. Like I can't, I don't want it because it's like, oh shit. It is crazy how that works. So I eat occasionally, like for a treat when I'm on this diet, I'll eat some eighty percent cocoa chocolate. And if I just had something sugary and eat that shit, it's the worst thing ever. It's like like it tastes awful. Yeah. Right. But if I eat it when I haven't had mm-hmm. sugar in a long time, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it tastes so damn good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely something to that. Yeah. Big time. There's a reason sugar content just kept creeping up. Yes. <laughs> and more and more and more. Yep. And then we have we gained tolerance. <laughs> and there's a reason that sugar is a five-letter word beginning in S. I was told that. Satan. The church lady. Five letter word. I'm only know four letters. Like, have you ever Shit. seen the <laughs> Have you seen the lady? It's on. I watched it on YouTube. The lady's talking about uh, the monster energy drink, and she equates everything to Satan. And it's just, I mean, well, it's hilarious. To be fair, if there's good. anything that's close and supposed to say it might be monster energy. That <laughs> stuff is pretty it's fucked up. The, the, the Not a lot Gamble good for you in a monster yeah. energy drink. There's a Procter & Gamble beer yeah. and they're a little unwarm. The One of the last Triple uh, X root beer uh, drive-ins is here in Washington State. I guess they used to be everywhere back in the day. Mm-hmm. And now, like, one of the one of the last is still here. And it's one of the funny signs that's right right as soon as you walk in the door of the Triple X Root Beer where they have these monster hamburgers. They're like the size of a, if you think of a vinyl LP, that's one of the cheeseburgers they sell. <laughs> that's, it's monster. They do these huge um, shakes, like a root beer float, and they're like, they're like 12 inches tall. Where's this? Triple X and Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a big sign when you first walk in. It's a picture of a doctor with a guy on an exam table, and it says, uh, "Nothing in here is good for you." Your doctor called. Nothing in here is good for you, <laughs> which I think is really honest. Potatoes are vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> it's empty carbohydrates, John. I know <laughs> you're just not getting anything healthy from a fucking so, potato. From a purely tell that to the Irish. <laughs> or the Russians standpoint how much of New Year's resolutions is this a dissatisfaction with where we are that's a good question yeah. how much is a pause and an honest assessment of where you are mm-hmm. yeah that's an American <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that that's fair because I think that's where I'm trying to get with this what I should say about childhood trauma is if I'm enough then or if, if I'm not to blame, if it's not my fault, then I don't have to blame anybody. Because yeah. when we blame, isn't it just because we feel it's our fault? I'm just throwing these on the table. Just That's one of the so things. So with that theme, then rather than saying I need to add something to my life, 
Maybe your resolution needs to be I need to remove something from my life. Subtraction. What am I doing? Because I've been blaming myself. Yes, exactly. What am I doing because I'm trying to take responsibility for something that's not mine to take responsibility for, and I'm going to let that go. So my, my New Year's resolution isn't adding more to my life. It's letting go. That's good. Yeah. Subtraction, man. Yeah, that's good. A, a process of subtraction. That's Susan, our therapist. Chuck and I go to this group on Mondays, and... And she talks about the bull of the yeah. analogy. Like everyone's got a bull, and kind of the art of life is the things you're pulling from the bull mm. as you get older. You know what what is important, <clears throat> what's valuable stays in the bull, and what's fucking up your life is the thing that you're pulling out of the bull. But we're sort of addicted to the things that are in the bull, like they're just normal. I think that's a big part of it. We we, we grow up and. We do these things, and we just like this is just life. This is just how it is. It just it becomes a norm. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to see you're working through some of that because that's it is trauma. It is mm-hmm. you know so that shit you grew up with. And a lot of Christians who are listening, you know, and I don't want to shit all over Christianity. <laughs> I don't want this to be that show. There's, there's a dozen of those shows, and ten thousand of those shows out there. There's good and bad in it, you know, and and. You, again, just pulling out of the bowl the bad, and realizing that you know Jesus had the most the most uh, critical things to say to the most religious neatnik, you know, people with all the shoulds and ought tos, and I don't know. I find I heard someone put it recently that Jesus didn't seem to have a problem with the people that knew they were sinners. That's mm. true. It was yeah. the people that didn't know they were exactly. Yeah, it seemed to be the problem. Yeah, so, yeah. it seemed to be part of Jesus's whole thing over and over again was just the idea that hey, the bar is pretty level all the way across. Like, like everybody's fucked up. Okay, can we just rest on that? Everybody's fucked up in a different way. Yeah, and the worst thing is the people that pretend they're not fucked up. Yeah, and that's where most of the damage that happens to other people is when people in authority pretend that they're not fucked up and and then use that authority to try and control the people that they think are fucked up. Right. And the people that are fucked up sometimes, and I think this is me, and maybe Steve and I resonate with this, like we've looked to those people for answers. Because yeah. they're the answer people. And I'm, I feel broken and fucked up and sad. And so I'm, I want to go to the answer people. But it's sort of like, that's why I think that the Wizard of Oz was such a beautiful piece of artwork. Because it shows these characters who are all needing something, you know. The Tin Man needs a heart and the Lion needs courage. And they're, you know, they're all going to the wizard. And they get there. And it's just a guy working levers behind a big, you know, curtain and a, a thing. And I think that's part of the like, like Chuck was talking about with the book with Richard Rohr, falling up, right? Yeah. That two stage thing. <coughs> you get to the point where oh, nobody really has all the answers. Well, it's like that America song is Oz never did give anything to the Tin Man that he didn't already have. Yeah. How much of that is what we associate with church? Yeah. And that we've got to, we we don't think we have it. The Tin Man, the Lion, none of them realize that they have they what have they're looking for. Exactly. It's right yeah. under your nose. Yeah. But, the, but the, the church has become a corporation that sells yeah. a product, and that product 
that's what gets people in the door, right? Yeah. We need nickels and noses, so we got to set you up with something you're lacking. Can we say dimes and dicks? That's yes. what I <laughs> much prefer. <laughs> dimes and dicks. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but all the guys are leaving. Inflation. That's the thing. Is it, it, most churches today, it's mostly women. It's not guys anymore that are in church for, for whatever reason. Well, that's why you got to get the... The, the guys, yeah, that's right. So there you cool. go. So with there are focus. Mark Driscoll would talk about that. <laughs> Mark Driscoll would do whole fucking, you know, he'd bring people would pay a bunch of money to fly to Seattle, where he would say, "You got to get the men." You know, we gotta, we gotta set a thing up where the men come in and it's testosterone Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> sell them testosterone Jesus. Yeah, and then they'll come in and wanna. You know, you pull the chest hair out on a guy, and that's what'll sell him. That's what'll bring him in the door. I shave four times a day. (laughs) That's where we used to say that. Yeah. Say what? He had five o'clock shadow and nine o'clock service. He goes, I shaved this morning, and I'm already hairy. Testosterone. <laughs> Who's Mark Driscoll? <laughs> Nobody. Exactly. exactly, Chuck. That's, that's a that's a good place to to to. Well, you know, I wanted to to land the plane with this. Maybe are we are we landing the plane? I took some notes on this because I found this story so fucking awesome. I heard a a guy talking about. Uh, have you guys heard of the film The Soloist? Oh, with uh, Jamie, Jamie Fox. Fox. Yeah, I heard uh, of it. I Robert Downey Jr. It's actually it's about it. It's a true story, and it, the reason I think it resonated with me so much is because I'm a I'm a guy who's in my head, and even doing EMDR and medication, like I'm seeking out medication now. I might be on to, to get into some of the depths of my trauma. Uh-huh. Medications probably be really helpful. Sure, I've always. I've not always, like, I've embraced medication, and then it's not something I have to be on for the rest of my life. I realize that, but it's something, it fucks with me. Like, I don't, I don't want it to, to wreck me or whatever. Um, Give it a month. But, but anyway, so this guy, Steve Lopez, is a uh, columnist for the, the Los Angeles Times. And he's leaving for lunch one morning on the streets of Los Angeles, and he hears just in the crowd, and people are bustling by. And no one's really paying attention, but this man is playing this awesome violin music mm. on the corner. And he walks up to this guy, and he's he's homeless, um, African-American man standing there. And the violin he's playing, he realizes, oh, my God, it only has two strings. Oh, wow. And he's playing this awesome music with, with two freaking strings. Mm-hmm. And so he thought, oh, there's a, there's a story there. Like, this man has a story. Uh, turns out... The guy that that he wrote about, his name is Nathaniel, um, and he uh, is schizophrenic. Turned out he's a Juilliard trained. Uh, he was trained in double bass by Juilliard. He would he would have went on to play in symphonies if he'd not um, got hit with you know the diagnosis of schizophrenia. Uh-huh. And so he's you know he's living on the streets in L.A. But, but I really like the fact that, you know, not only was was Steve Lopez this, this this guy, you know, trying to write a story, he got curious about this man. Like, he's originally, this is another human being with amazing potential. And, and it it sparked this curiosity and compassion in him to, to understand why, why, what's this going on? Um and Nathaniel, you know, he brought him in. He, when he wrote about this guy, 
in the in the Los Angeles Times, people started sending him strings, you know, for his his violin, and then people started sending violins and cellos and double bass, which he was trained in. Somebody sent a fucking piano. <laughs> like, I want this guy to have a piano. And um, after a while, this guy named uh, Robert Gupta, who is uh, a violinist at the L.A. Philharmonic, learns about hears about this guy's story. Says, "Hey, I want to I want to meet him." And so he gives him free tickets to the to the Los Angeles Philharmonic at, at the Disney, um, where they you know where they play, and and Nathaniel hears this music and he's like. And he meets this guy and he says, hey, can you give me a lesson? Would you give me violin lessons? Like, I want to learn more. I want to learn how to play, you know, Beethoven's violin, you know, the first concerto, the fourth concerto, and just really geeking out on that stuff. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll teach you. And so he sits Nathaniel down and, and he starts talking about demons and smoke and you know, because he's because uh, Robert starts bringing out these scales, like this is these are the scales. You know, he starts teaching him uh, the, the different didactic ways that you score this music and understand this music in your head. And when he started trying to wrap his mind around it, he just went, "Oh, you're gonna wreck my relationship with this music that I love." And so instead of trying to explain it to him, this is the part that almost brought me to tears, instead of trying to explain to this man who is starting to go into these weird stories about how, you know, Beethoven's second is why the, the, the Dodgers never win the World Series, just going into these weird um, places, he just, he just looks at him and he says, no, listen, he goes, you don't have to figure all this out right now. And then he picks up the violin and he just played for the man. Just play. Yeah. He just played the instrument. Sweet. And he went, you know, and he said, I watched his eyes. His whole demeanor changed as the music started pouring out of this violin. And he just, his whole body language just relaxed. And he's like, oh my God, you know, he just, he picks up the violin and he, and he started to play. And he goes, teach me what you did there. And then, and then he started to teach him. But there's something about that in, in a lot of us where we, and maybe it's a New Year's resolution thing. I don't know. But we, we tend to think about all of the nutsy, boltsy fucking shit around it, right? Mm. Instead of seeing the beauty in it. And I think that this podcast being a starting out is a thing where we're going we're gonna to seek beauty and truth. Um, like this, this Cambridge professor who said that theology is the, the, the seeking of beauty and truth and goodness. Um, that really resonated with me. That we don't have to figure it all out. Like seeing and experiencing what's beautiful and true is. What if that's enough? Right. You know, understanding grace and curiosity is is a way that I've seen my manic rage deplete over the years. We'll end it there. What do you guys think? Happy hey, New Year. Peace out. Happy New Year. There you go.
Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project who is responsible for its content. Thank you for listening to Punk God.